Hey everyone, my name is Dana. And I'm Dalton. And we are a husband and wife duo who love Disney, TCGs, and just playing all kinds of games together. Um, we primarily play board games, including Disney Villainous, video games, Pokemon, and now Lorcana. I kind of want to go over a couple things what the podcast is going to be about. We're going to go over set reviews. Every time a new set comes out, we're going to give our personal opinions on each individual card. We're going to go over starter deck reviews, which one might fit a particular person's play style or which one we think is the best. We'll go over to upgrades of those starter decks so you can turn them into real powerhouse competitive decks. We'll go over deck building in general of all the different color combinations, including budget decks, because I know that not everyone is going to have access to all the most expensive legendaries, right? It's just a new game and not everyone has that kind of access. Then we'll go over different gameplay strategies, such as aggressive strategies and how those play against the different mid-range controlling decks, and how to play the control decks against the aggro decks. We'll also go over canon, basically what the story is about, art reviews, and how those might give us clues into what's coming in the future, as well as recounting our experiences as we play in events at our local game stores, and hopefully a bigger competitive events once those become more prevalent. Our background with TCGs, for me, I've played Magic, uh, Hearthstone, Pokemon, so many different TCGs over the years. Uh, I go to all the midnight pre-releases of a lot of these things, and I play weekly with, with friends. I've been into card games for the past 15 or 20 years of my life. And it's become a really integral part of my life. And now I'm just at the point where I want to share my experience and knowledge with everyone I can. And so for me, I'm a little bit newer. Um, I really just was introduced to it when we started dating. I tried magic on and off. Uh, just because I wanted something to do with you that I knew that you loved and it didn't really click with me. So then the years passed and really got into playing Pokemon TCG with you, but I wasn't really confident in competing in events since I felt like I was stepping in pretty late to the game and was really behind. And so I felt like with me knowing not knowing all of the cards. I didn't really know how to build my own deck, so I really relied on you uh, for your help, which leads us to what really drew us to Lorcana. So what was something that drew you? I have always been a pretty big Disney fan ever since I was little. I loved Mulan, love Hercules, love Aladdin. Those were just my favorite Disney movies. And then I also became a huge trading card game fan and as soon as I heard about Lorcana that it just hooked me it just hooked me not only that but when I first saw the art for the first few cards that were released it just looked so amazing that on top of well we play a lot of villainous as well which is another Ravensburger game yeah we love and, villainous oh we love <laughs> villainous and we think that is really done very well uh maybe there's some uh villains that are better than others but i think that's gonna happen every now and then 
But I really trust Ravensburger to create a good product, uh, set in and set out. And I'm just confident that this is going to be a very large game in the future. Dana, how about you? What what drew you to Lorcana? So yeah, I am extremely excited about it. I think first and foremost, it gives me that emotional connection that I was kind of missing with magic. And of course I love Pokemon now, but I didn't necessarily grow up with Pokemon. So that was something I got in super late. Um, And so having it be Disney and what I grew up with is I think giving me that nostalgia and also because it's brand new I feel like I am able to jump in at ground zero with that first set so I'm not intimidated by it as much as I was with magic or pokemon and I think it's easy to learn too because the cards have less flowery verbiage like magic does because I felt like even though I would know what the card was saying I still might not have I guess necessarily grasped it in the moment you know yeah magic's really complicated the rules are all over the place a little bit and every card is just a wall of text where lorcana is just so much more simple to begin with yeah for sure so kind of going into more the disney aspect of the game what is your history with with disney i'm not gonna lie so as far as disney growing up i really just had a few movies and that was mainly Milan, Hercules and the my this is a little bit of a spoiler but my most underrated Disney movie is Oliver and Company. Uh, I watched that one all the time when I was when I was younger and I really enjoyed it. I love Dodger, I love dogs and it just really it just really resonated with me. But besides that, I never really had any merchandise or memorabilia from Disney. It was all of my nostalgia is related to all the movies that I watched growing up. What about you, Dana? Um, yeah, so I was like all in. Um, we had a bunch of the VHSs that I remember we had like at our entertainment center, the cabinet opened up and it was just all of them there. But I pretty much was all in with the whole pink and princesses um I had like a canopy for my bed I was like a princess castle and I had all of the Disney princess Barbies and poster on my door and just the whole shebang and then I also grew up where I started playing playing Kingdom Hearts when it was fairly new at that time and you Na- even playing it now I even play it now <laughs> and I played uh Disney Dreamlight Valley as well and like villainous with Dalton so we're still kind of deep in that Disney and I even remember there was two movies I would always watch on repeat literally every time I was home from school sick I would always watch one like around breakfast and then I would take my little sick nap and then I would wake up for lunch and then watch the other one which kind of ties they're essentially my favorite Disney movies which was Hercules and Alice in Wonderland so um, those are definitely my favorite Disney movies and so you want to get into maybe which ones would were yours yeah my my favorite Disney movies were definitely Hercules and a goofy movie um Hercules is just 
it's just a classic. It's just so good. Everyone yeah. loves Hercules. A goofy movie that's not your favorite one, no. right? No. But but it is legitimately great. The the songs in that movie I think are very good and very well done. And it's just it's just a feel good movie at the end, you know? The parent and the the child really connecting that resonates with me yeah i remember i had never seen the goofy movie until a couple years ago you made me watch it with you and you literally were singing every song word for word it was so cute um okay so what would be your most underrated disney movie like i said earlier oliver and company a story about a a little cute adorable cat who gets taken in by these these dogs and if you know anything about me you'll know that i love cats and dogs very much huge animal person uh i've had so many dogs growing up and dodger is just the coolest the coolest character uh what about you dana yeah so i think my most underrated disney movie would be the great mouse detective i loved how it mirrored basically Sherlock Holmes, but in a miniature world um, of mice and rats. And so, I don't know, I just, I feel like that one is so good. Um, And that actually kind of ties into some of the cards that I'm hoping to see in a future set, but I'll let you say yours first. So what were, what would be some of your, so we know what is out right now. Um, for this set, but we do know that there's a new set coming in November. And so what are some of the cards that you are hoping to see? Oh, I really hope there is a Dodger card. He would probably be Amber, have like some of the Amber mechanics, like support or bodyguard. And that's just how I picture all the dogs. Um, all the dogs in, in the world. They're all, you know, they're just your best friends there for you, you know? Yeah, good support. Absolutely. Uh, besides that, I think some cool villains would be the Titans from Her- uh, Hercules. I'm not really sure exactly what they do, but I think they could make some pretty cool cards out of those. Yeah, for sure. I will be really excited when Alice drops. I already feel like we know she's coming because we have the Cheshire cat. Yeah, how could they make the Cheshire cat but not Alice? <laughs> right, right. So I feel like it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when they're going to bring her in. I just hope it's in this next one. Um, and then I think a cool villain would be Radigan, which is from The Great Mouse Detective. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen that movie or Oliver and Company, they're both really cute. I would recommend that. But um I actually have a a long list, probably longer than you, so I'm just going to keep going down it. Pocahontas, I think, would be an awesome character. Shang from Mulan, I think he would have um, either like evasiveness or bodyguard, something that would would be involved in like the challenging aspect. And then we know that we have songs, and so I think two of the most iconic ones that I could anticipate seeing would be Colors of the Wind and make a man out of you. I can't mm-hmm. help but like not sing that song every time. So it's a catchy one. It's an epic one. Absolutely. It is an epic one. Um, do you feel like there are any songs that you might want to see or you hope to see? Obviously the song that Dodger sings and Oliver and Company. Uh, but besides that, there's just so many 
so many good ones that I it's hard to pick just one. Um, so next what we kind of want to talk about is Dana's first experience at Gen Con. And that was only my second time going, which is crazy because I live an hour and a half away from Indy. It's really not that far, but I guess I just hadn't made the time. But we knew we had to go this year. Dana, how was it? How was Gen Con? It was awesome. So yeah, we've actually been talking about going to Gen Con together for the past five or six years. And then every year it came and went and we completely forgot until it was too late to buy our tickets or get badges. And so every year, yeah, when we, when we knew that Disney Lorcana was going to be kind of pre-released there, we definitely made it a priority. It was chaotic, um, but exciting at the same time. Talking to people who have been going there in the most recent years, they said it was definitely the most crazy but I feel like that was, it was good because it built excitement. Um, we did camp out. Our plan was to go in just earlier in the morning. So we actually were planning on going Friday morning. But when the news from Thursday had hit how people were waiting out um, outside at like 5.30, we were like, okay, we let's go to bed early and we'll just get up and maybe get there at 4.30. And so we were laying in bed, scrolling, um, trying to find any news from the day regarding it. And we saw that they were starting to let people line up inside at six or seven that night. And so we just had this panic. <laughs> at least I did. I had anxiety all week. Um, and so we made that decision, okay, do we get up and go or do we just risk it and sleep? And we got up and went. <laughs> and of course we fell into the FOMO. We, we did. We, we, we had, we had to go. <laughs> we had to go. For sure. And I feel like we were fortunate to be in line day two, even though we had to pull an all nighter and basically might've gotten an hour sleep on the floor. So, like we weren't even prepared at all. We didn't bring it's not like we brought like a little pillow or anything like that. So we were like laying on our hard backpacks. Um, and then we might have gotten like an hour each. So, but I feel like hearing how day one went, I'm really fortunate that we went day two. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> day one sounded like a, a giant mess, but they, they really stepped it up on day two. They had like a long line. They weren't letting other people cut. It was, it was really great. Yeah. It was great. And they were handing out free pens and promo cards and snacks snacks and like it was just yeah it was awesome um yeah, Ravensburger did, did a great job on day day two for sure yeah definitely but even fully encompassing gen con in general i feel like it was a really good first um we bought other games too that we were really excited to play but of course this is like our main our main purpose and so it definitely was fun to be one of the first people to get physical cards in hand and be able to play. So it, yeah, it was, it was good. I definitely am looking forward to going back next year, especially if they might be like pre-releasing new sets. Um, every time at Gen Con, we will be annual goers. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. We also had the fortune of opening an Enchanted Bell. So that was really exciting at the time. Yeah, that was a sure. lot of fun, just opening the packs, just hoping you're going to get something sweet. And 
Luckily, we did. We did. Um, so, it was my second time at Gen Con, and it was not like the first. There were just so many more people, and the first time I went was probably 10 years ago, around there. And there was just so many more people, and the just people outside of the hall playing so many games just things happening all over the place yeah and i thought that was really cool uh, things happening after hours i saw a lot of stuff on facebook about that that's really cool um we were just too tired from not not right. sleeping to join in on some of those activities which sucks but uh it, it ended up being okay yeah uh the one thing that I wish we did prepare for were the Lorcana events. We didn't get into any. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize initially when we were buying our buying our tickets that they were going to be running like deck building events and pre-release events like that. That is something that if they have next year, I'm going to try to get in as as many as I can. And I know you'll probably be excited to join some of those too. Yeah, for sure. I think next year we're going to come in with a plan. I think this year with it being your first time in a while and my first time all together, it was nice to kind of get our bearings and for you see how it evolved, me for just seeing what it even was. And now next year we're, we'll go in with a plan. We'll sign up for events. I know that we were even interested in doing like a villainous event too, which they also had, but... That was sold out, so we definitely want to hit both Disney Ravensburger games for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this game evolves in in the next year, uh, especially, and just seeing um, how it how it grows. And so, with that being said, I guess like how how do you think, or how do you hope that the game is going to? develop or what do you plan on getting out of the game uh first of all i really hope there is a strong competitive organized play um that's something that will always draw me to games is competition i'm a very competitive person you're a very competitive person um (laughs) So I think that's going to be really important for keeping at least my interest over the long term. Uh, If there's not a lot to play for or to strive for or a reason to get better, then it's, it's just going to be hard to spend a lot of time on that, on that kind of a thing. So that's what I'm excited for, just a, a really strong competitive play, uh, organized play. Besides that, I really am excited about the community. Um, the The main Facebook group that we're in has been really positive, uh, uplifting. The Discord that I'm in has been really good as well. And I'm just excited to see it grow and flourish and uh, see what we can what we can add to it. I really want to be a part of it. And I think we can we can add a lot to it. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Um, same thing that you said. Obviously, we're both really competitive. We've been saying that a couple times already. But um, being part of that growing community, um, I think this is a game in which 
people who have been playing TCGs are obviously going to come to to just feel out, see how it is and how it compares to others. But we're hearing a lot of people who have never played a TCG before, and this is their first one that they're uh, getting into. And so it's neat to see a new group of players um, being drawn to the game as well. And even not so much um, people who, like, you might see parents who their kids are really interested in that game and they want to learn it too to be able to play with their kids. And so it's neat to see the the diverse group of players that we're going to be seeing uh, at events. Yeah, and this is a game that has been pretty easy to learn for us so far. Um yeah, like we tried to get you into into magic and there were just way too many things going on. Yeah. Even when me and my friends play Commander, there's a lot going on and I know like every card. I know what every card does, but it's just hard to remember all the rules every single time. So that was very difficult and it's not very new player friendly and my experience yeah but I you can I mean and we're gonna get into some of the terms here in a second but I definitely agree in that it's easier but you can still feel some similar elements to magic Um, there are certain abilities that are similar to magic cards but they're called something else but at the same time the cards are still um, easy to understand easy to play with and there's not kind of a flowery language like I said before so Mm. do you want to go into some of those terms yeah let's talk about the most common terms and phrases you'll hear in Lorcana okay so I'm thinking before we maybe start with those terms we should at least say the concept of the game in general so yeah that makes sense yeah um so the whole goal of the game is you are using Disney characters called glimmers and you use them to quest for lore and the first player who gets to 20 lore wins um and you also can use those glimmers to do actions or to challenge your opponent's glimmers to basically get theirs off the board slow them down from getting their lore and giving yourself a chance to maybe get to the 20 lore first sure yeah. yeah so um the first term is tap or exert so Lorcana uses exert as the official term on the cards but you'll hear a lot of people also say tap so basically in order to quest for lore or to challenge other glimmers or to even do actions you'll your glimmers are going to have to exert or tap and that just basically means turning them 90 degrees to the side to indicate that you are using them for one of those things yeah that's how you use your ink as well you exert your ink you're expending that resource right? yes for sure and so that brings us to the next turn that i think we should cover and that is um referring to our ink so ink is what you use to play your glimmers or your actions and it is essentially like the money or the cost of of those actions or glimmers and so that cost is going to be in the top left hand corner and each card 
that is representing your ink in your inkwell, which is the pool um, that your, your ink will go into, um, that is the, the, that cost to play the card or how many ink that you need to exert or tap to play that card. So of those costs, you'll hear a number and then a drop. So three drop, four drop, one drop. That basically insinuates how much ink you have to exert or tap to play that card. So that's another one that you're gonna hear a lot too. Now to get ink in your inkwell, you have to convert cards in your hand to your ink. And so that adds another element to your decisions where you have to decide, do I want to put this card into my inkwell to have it become ink? Or am I going to want to play it in the next couple of turns? And some cards can be inked, some cards cannot be. And so that is determined by what goes around their cost at the top left-hand corner. So the cards that can be inked, you're going to have a gold ring that is circular around their drop. And then the cards that cannot be inked, it's just going to be a very thin gold hexagon around their cost. Ramp and removal, those are two common ones. So ramping your deck is essentially putting more ink into your ink well at a rate that's more than your opponent is. So each turn you get the opportunity to put ink, one ink into your ink well, and essentially that builds with each turn. But ramping your deck is insinuating that you are able to add, it, it's opportunities for you to add ink into your ink well faster. So you might have a card where um, it's your turn and you put a card into your ink and then you might actually like play another card that allows you to take the next card at the top of your deck and put it directly into your ink wall. And so now you're putting two inks into your ink wall on one turn when your opponent might only still be able to, unless they have a card too that does that, they only are gonna put one. So you're, you're getting ink into your ink wall faster and that essentially allows you to be able to play higher number or higher drop cards quicker than your opponent would. So you might be able to, to play a five drop when they can only do a four drop. Um, so it's really useful, really popular and powerful um, strategy. Removal is the other one and that is kind of speaks for itself. It's you having a card that takes your opponent's glimmers or those Disney characters off of the board. It removes um, them. It removes them or or items too, which we'll get into, but it basically removes them um, and so it is a nice way to get rid of those cards without maybe using your glimmers to challenge. And so there are certain colors that are better at ramping and removal, which we will get into, but those are terms that you'll hear us talk about probably starting the next episode when we start our official set review. Um, yeah, do you add any? Yeah, definitely. The first one that I want to start with is card draw, card advantage, card selection. Mm -hmm. This is like the pinnacle of all card games. Generally, the more cards you draw, the more card advantage you can get over your opponent. The more cards you can play, 
the more likely you're going to win the game because you're either making more mana because you have more cards or you're playing or, more or ink or ink or, or ink. <laughs> fair, fair. So for those of you that play that that don't know what mana is, it's basically the ink version in Magic. Yeah, it's, it's the MTG version. Yeah. Um. So you're either playing more cards because you've drawn more cards. It's time and time again, it's shown to be the most important aspect of card games. And I kind of want to talk about how those come into fruition in Lorcana. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one that I can think of is a card called Friends on the Other Side. It is a three-cost song that says, draw two cards. It's pretty simple, but you're trading one card in to gain two. That is putting you up one card, giving you card advantage. Another concept in the card advantage realm to think about is how your characters are interacting with your opposing characters in play. So for example, your opponent could have two Lilo making a wish in play, and you could have an Olaf in play. Lilo making a wish, they have uh, strength and willpower of 1-1. One, one. Olaf has a strength and willpower of 1-3. Now, if they're going to be questing with Lilo, you can use your Olaf to challenge Lilo. And if they do that twice in a row, your Olaf will be able to, to banish both of their Lilos. And because you used one card to take care of two cards of your opponents, that is also a way to gain card advantage. Mm -hmm. Another thing here is card selection. Like I said, this isn't the same. Card advantage is essentially just gaining more cards. Card selection is getting a specific card. Yeah, so a lot, of, yeah, a lot of these cards are just look at the top X number of cards in your deck and then put one into your hand. You're going for quality over quantity in that scenario. Mm -hmm. The next thing I kind of want to talk about is, well, actually, let's just get into the, the keywords and the mechanics of the game, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'll start. We'll go with evasive. Evasive is a really important keyword because it... The whole game is based on getting to 20 lore, and evasive characters really help you do that. They're hard to interact with. You can't challenge them. You can only banish them with spells or other characters with evasive. So if you don't have a character with evasive out and your opponent's questing every turn with their evasive character, you can't challenge it, and they're probably going to win the race because you just can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. uh, unless you have a removal. Unless you, <laughs> That's right. Unless yeah. you have a removal spell to to banish that said evasive character. So it's really powerful. Usually the stats on these characters are a little bit lower because they're evasive. Uh, they didn't want to give those characters too big of stats or too big of yeah, abilities. For sure. That would just that would just make mm -hmm. them too good. Another concept is songs and singers. So songs are a type of action that does something. However, you instead of just having to pay your ink, 
you have the option to use a character to sing the song. So in cases in which you might want to use your ink on your turn to play a different, whether a different item, different action, different glimmer, but you still also really want to play an action that is a song, you can exert or tap a character with the same cost as the song to play it for free. Um, so for example, if you were to have Ariel Spectacular Singer, she is a three drop. She also um, happens to be a singer, which we'll get to that term here in a second, but Be Our Guest is a song of that same color in amber. And Be Our Guest just requires you to have a character with a cost of two or more. So because Ariel is a three, you can play Be Our Guest for free. So now getting into a little bit more of that, some characters go even further and they're a singer. So this Ariel, spectacular singer, is a singer for five. And so if you are using a character like her or Cinderella, um, gentle and kind, who's also a singer for five, they can play songs that are greater than their value. So if they... Up to five. Up to five. Up to five. So if they did not have their singing ability, Ariel would only be able to do a song three or less. Cinderella would only be able to do a song four or less. But both of them are singer fives. So Hakuna Matata is another song that costs four. Ariel is a three. So normally she wouldn't be able to, if she was not a singer, she wouldn't be able to play it or sing it. But since she's a singer for five and Hakuna Matata costs four, she can also sing that song. So um, having the singing ability is useful if you have songs that might cost greater than that character's normal cost. It would be nice to make sure that you have some singers in your deck as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, songs, I haven't found a lot of the singers to be great yet. Uh, Ariel is probably pretty good, but the songs are really good. And we'll definitely get into those when we talk about our set review uh, coming up in the next couple episodes. After that, some of the other mechanics we want to talk about, we have Rush. Rush is an interesting mechanic because most characters in the game fall prey to what is called summoning sickness. Essentially, that just means that the first turn any character is out they can't exert to quest challenge sing a song anything that would normally require exertion but when your character has rush they can challenge the very first turn they come into play which is really strong because it's not the easiest thing for your opponents to play around unless they know you have that card in your deck or your hand it just ends up being a way to gain card advantage a two for one a lot of the time or it takes out a problematic character that your opponent has that turn and it's it's just a really strong ability to be able to challenge the turn you have something come into play because most most cards don't have that another really cool ability is reckless reckless is really interesting because the whole point of the game is to get to 20 lore by questing. Well, reckless creatures, characters, they don't have a lore cow. They can't quest. They are forced to attack every single turn that 
your opponent has an exerted character. Uh, this can be really good or really bad. I know Dana doesn't like reckless characters very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is one in particular I really do like. We'll end up talking about that one a lot, I think. But the the good thing about reckless is that usually they have pretty good stats for their mana. The the negative is that it's really easy for your opponent to play around because they know that that character is going to have to challenge whichever character you quest with or exert for whatever reason. So your opponents can play around that pretty well. Dana, what else do you have? Um, well, what about support? Do you want to talk about support? Yeah, I'll talk about support, yeah. So support is really important because it takes into account... It's the really the only... Uh, a keyword that takes into account willpower and strength. Right. Okay, so your strength is essentially the number on the left side in the uh, right hand, bottom right-hand corner of the art. That is how much damage that character deals. Willpower is on the right side, and that is how much damage your character can survive. So support is a really interesting mechanic because when you quest, that character then gives his strength to another one of your characters. And the reason why this is so good is because you could have a two-drop two creature in play that has two strength. You could have a three-drop support creature in play that has three strength. And suddenly, if your opponent has quested with something that has five willpower, normally you would have to trade both of your creatures into... Yeah. You to, lose to, two yeah, for their one. Yeah, you yeah. lose two for one, which is card disadvantage, which is the whole thing we talked about earlier. But support lets you trade your much weaker character for their much stronger character. It's a way to trade up. You gain advantage on uh, ink cost as well as a, you're you're increasing your board presence by doing that uh dana do you want to talk about bodyguard next yeah so bodyguard is a characteristic of some glimmers where if you want you can have them enter play exerted and it basically forces your opponent to attack that character before any of your others. So it's a really good way to divert your opponent from attacking something that you might want to exert either to play a song or to quest. And you know that that leaves you vulnerable to be challenged. Um, which I guess we haven't even talked about that. So that challenging and questing that we were talking about with um, how you exert... When you exert to quest or to challenge, that is leaving you vulnerable to then be challenged on your your uh, opponent's turn. So unless they have a card that directly deals damage to you or uh, targets you, the only way that you could potentially lose your characters other than those those target cards is by their characters challenging yours. And they only can do that if your character is exerted first. So 
and you really don't want to lose it that next turn to your opponent, if you enter in a character that has bodyguard and you have them exerted, your opponent has no choice but to target that bodyguard first. So you essentially kind of save um, the one that you didn't want to lose anyway. Yeah, it's really good protection for the most important pieces in your deck. They're bodyguards. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're bodyguards. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, well, I think that pretty much wraps up all of the terms that we wanted to talk about that you might see on the card that you might hear us use in the coming episodes. Yeah, we're going to go deeper on this stuff as we get into the set reviews. We're going to talk about all the cards specifically. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to learn a lot, hopefully. Hopefully you guys do too, and that's going to start on the next episode. But for Dana, I am Dalton, and we are the Inkwell Gamers, and we appreciate you for joining us today. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys next time.